And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Baseball Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Greetings and welcome to Starkville. Baseball Hall of Famer Jason Stark. And then the robot said, strike. That's why you're going in the Hall of Fame. It's an inside the park home run. Doug Mike Trout is coffee. At Starbucks with a double latte, skinny. Doug, are you ready to make some podcast magic? I am ready. Bring on the magic wand. Let's do it. (laughs) Greetings and welcome to Starkville. Now part of the Athletic Baseball Show, where you'll find great baseball talk all week long and all season long. I'm Jason Stark. I write about baseball for The Athletic, and I am joined once again by my good friend, writer, broadcaster, professor, distinguished former major leaguer, and the voice of Sunday Night Baseball on ESPN Radio, Doug Glanville. Uh, Doug, as usual, has just climbed off a red eye from the West Mm -hmm. Coast, and Doug, I I feel like you're approaching your career record for most red eyes before the All-Star break. Am I on to something? Yeah, I, you know, I didn't think about that. I, I feel like I need to tally these things up. You should. Uh, usually I tally it by where I fall asleep in the house at any given time, <laughs> which I don't know when. Uh, but yeah, if you have enough red eyes, what is that? Do you need like Visine or what, how does it work? Like, Yeah, that's what Terry you just get enough. You, you start to look kind of alien. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm de- I, I doubled up on red eyes. I went Saturday morning. Boston to LA, and then I went after Sunday's game back. I don't know what's worse, but doesn't seem to matter. It's cumulatively, I just sort of go through the fog, and then hopefully <laughs> in a couple of days I'm I'm back to my old self. Yeah, that's what we got. Okay, at least you never fell asleep during the show, so that's good. Yes, and you know it's only, it's only sleep, but I, yeah. I keep thinking if you were only a little more otonic, that's yes. the adjective you made up to describe the amazing Shohei Otani, you wouldn't feel a thing. Okay. Well, I, rumor has yeah. it I heard he loves sleep, though. So I don't know. Yeah, that's well, because he uh, he he's mind over sleep matter. No, oh, yeah. He just he just wills himself to do whatever he needs to do, <laughs> including sleep. And see, we bring this up because this is going to be the most otonic episode of Stark Forever. <laughs> I've been wanting to do this for a while, so this is going to be the Otani show. The, o- the Starkville Otani special. Are you up for that, Doug? Yeah, just, I just, I think we need to make it. Well, in his case, instead of having a statue to Otani, we have a bank. We have to have a bank, the Bank of Otani. Uh, that's what it's going to take to pay him his next deal. And I'm not <laughs> mad at him for it. So we'll just create our own bank. In, only in Starkville? Because we're not signing him. Yes, only in Starkville. It'll be like virtual coins or something. That's a, <laughs> okay. That's okay. Yeah, like vir- virtual f- Fictional money, that's the best kind. That We're yes. very good at that, that kind. We have, we have a lot of it. 
All right, on that note, let's bring in our two favorite Shohei Otani experts. First, it's our friend Mark Gubiza, who does such a great job in... Hey, good to see you there, pal. Uh, Gubby does such a great job in lightening, lightening us and entertaining us on Angels Games on Bally Sports West. Joining him is the tremendous Angels writer for the Orange County Register and the author of the best Otani book ever written, Showtime, Jeff Fletcher. Oh, yeah. Gentlemen, gentlemen, oh, here's we each have our books here. I know I have one too. Get your books out. Let's go. Hey, uh, welcome <laughs> to Starkville. Fletch, how are you? I'm awesome. Thanks for having me, Jason. And thanks to you and Gooby. Both have uh, your names in the book as uh, have written some uh, glowing endorsements for it. So I appreciate that from uh, both of you guys. Yeah. Um, the, the pleasure was ours. Happy to be part of it. Um, hey, boys, we are going to talk about 25 to 1 games later in this discussion. <laughs> so just be ready. But uh, I, w- let's dive in on Shohei. Uh, I, I, Doug and I, like you guys, we're just in awe of this guy. And, um, you know, I like I don't even think it's fair to imply that he's human. Because he's really <laughs> superhuman. You, you guys watch him day in and day out. So, how would you describe what you're watching, Mark? Let's start with you. Uh, you know what? I, I thought I was blessed to be able to watch Bo Jackson play back in the day and be his teammate. Watch him, yeah. you know, play football games at the Coliseum. But seeing what Shohei's doing every day. I mean, it, the guy plays every day and swing the bat like he's doing. Yet pitched the way he's throwing the ball. Was he have 117 strikeouts going right now and <laughs> 25 home runs swinging the bat. I mean, uh, you know, I've I talked to David Cohn. I even talked to Bud Black recently out in Colorado. After we pitch a game, we can't even move the next day. <laughs> part of our body, our ribs, our back, our legs, every part of our body is killing us. We're just happy to play ball and toss and, and run foul pole to foul pole. And he's hitting 100 mile an hour fast. The very next day, going like 459 the other way. There's times I, I, I feel bad. Like when he does some stuff during the game, I literally, instead of trying to analyze it, I just laugh. I go, it's not real. It, I mean, plus, I mean, in every day, the same thing, the same look he has. I mean, it was great the other day. We we're walking on, you know, on, I'm on the team bus and David Fletcher comes back. They're good buddies. And he just starts laughing. I go, you forget he's just, a, he's still a kid that he loves what he's doing. But when he goes on the baseball field, he's just not. He's not human. He is the unicorn. So it's just great to be able to see what he does. <laughs> exactly. Fletch, you literally wrote the book. How, how would you describe this man? I mean, it's just incredible. And uh, and I think the appreciation for me comes more from talking to guys like Gooby and current players because they understand more than the rest of us super mortals uh, how hard it is to do what he's doing. Because, uh, I mean, the last time I played baseball – I was 13 years old and lots of guys pitched and hit. So it wasn't that big a deal, but to do it in the major leagues is, uh, is just incredible. And to, to be at the high level that he's at each year is just amazing. And, uh, I certainly don't take it for granted. I don't assume he's going to do it next year, uh, because it's really, really hard to do even for him as we saw, like at the beginning of his career. So I think it's just, we need to really appreciate it and not just go, oh, that's Otani. That's what he does. And he's, you know, whatever. <laughs> That's right. It's it's really hard even for him. And I think it's incredible that he's that he's done it now three years in a row. Yeah, you know, Doug invented a word to describe him. Doug, th- tell him your word. Well, I, there's nothing in the dictionary, so I just called it what it is. It's otonic. 
That's it. That's the adjective. Um, I don't know it's what else best. to call it. <laughs> so. Right. Tonic, it's unique. Yeah. And you know, look, he, he leads the American League in home runs as a hitter. He leads the American League in lowest opponent batting average and best strikeout rate as a pitcher. And he's the same person. Okay. So wh- which of those amazes you the most? Fletch, I'll start with you with this one. You know, it's funny because people ask me a lot, like, is he a better hitter or a better pitcher? And I've always said he's a better pitcher because he never really had a slump as a pitcher. He just didn't injured as a pitcher, but he had some issues as a hitter. But this year, he's been a better hitter. And it's just really crazy to think that he's got so much talent in him that he can go, that you could make a case for both of them. And uh, I think, you know, the more incredible thing is uh, is just the hitting because like I said, it looked kind of like, especially after last year, that he was maybe moving more towards being a super elite pitcher and just a, a really good hitter. But now he's gone back, and now he's a super elite hitter <laughs> and a really good pitcher. So it's pretty incredible. Gooby, what about you? Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, I, I sit there and wonder, what is he better at? And, and, and Doug, you know this thing, too. I think part of it is the reason why he's such a great hitter now is because he's such a great pitcher. So he almost <laughs> thinks in lines where because every everyone he's facing is elite, you know, fastballs, great spin on breaking balls. So he almost goes up there thinking, okay, what would I throw to me? And that's why <laughs> I mean he stays back on the baseball so well. His power the other way. As a kid growing up, I think George Foster was the one guy I always remember having unbelievable power. Granted, I was booing him at the veteran stadium because he was with Patty at that point. But I mean, he could hit the ball to the right center and just crush it. Shohei's doing the same thing. I mean, these are fastballs at 98, 98, uh, 99 miles an hour. He struggled a little bit this year early on changeups, but then now I look up, he's got five home runs versus all speed now. So I think part of it is, is adjustments because what he does on the mound has made him even better you know, because he has about seven or eight pitches he can go to. So no one in baseball on the mound has more pitches than him. So he knows exactly what to look for as a hitter. So I'm even more impressed with his hitting right now. He never seems to be off balance at the plate. There was a times in the past where, you know, he's moving his feet. He's opening up that front hip. He's staying back on everything. And he's so locked in and his power going up the middle the other way. I hated facing anybody to hit the ball the other way. That means they're staying on all my pitches. If you pull a home run, Generally, it's a mistake by me, but he's he's hitting pretty good pitcher's pitches a long, long way right now. If I can add something to that, it's it's yeah. uh, it's super interesting. Last year, Otani got a uh, – he saw Clay Holmes threw him a two-seamer, 100 miles an hour. So, you know, it it cut that direction, you know. So Otani's like, hey, I don't have a pitch that goes that way. <laughs> in June, and he just starts fiddling around with it in the bullpen. And then by the end of August, He's got a great two seamer that he like, <laughs> invented because he saw it when he was at the batter's box. Uh, Doug, didn't didn't uh, Gooby just raise that thing that you you want to see? You want to see him pitch to himself? Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's you know that that's what I'm waiting for. Um, and you know he just you know because he's so fast. By the way, that's one of the underrated characteristics of this man. He's an absolute burner on the bases. <laughs> so uh, and we I did the Cubs Angels game not long ago. And he hit a ball, and uh, Suzuki was in right. And I'm looking at it, and he, it's where, you know, the, the line is now lower. So the scoreboard, you can't really see it because it hits the electronic. So you're like, ah, oh, where is it? And he's running the bases. I look up, and he's at third. He's already standing at third. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> what? Yeah. And and then they rolled it a home run, so he didn't even have to run. So I was like, I mean, it just it's something you call in a game, and you just have to tell people that. 
on radio, like, by the way, when it ricocheted off the wall, he was sliding into third base. <laughs> He's that fast. So, I mean, just amazing. And uh, I guess, you know, one question I have for you guys is, um, you know, you, you always say, like, I remember where I was when the Phillies won the World Series in 1980, for example. Um, what about, like, the, the first moment Shohei Otani really wowed you? Do, do you recall, like, going, wait a minute, <laughs> that doesn't make sense, you know? I'll start with you, Mark. I, I think it was the game when we had a perfect game going against Oakland here at home when his, his debut in, in 2018 and watching him throw. And I remember Matt Olson, by the way, he's got like 25 home runs this year himself, taking a swing at one of his splitters. And, and even on the follow through of the swing, he's like, I got like no chance. He was like, <laughs> I got no chance. I'm like, oh my. I mean, I'm thinking, wow, he's throwing like upper 90s, touching 100, and then he's throwing a split that at that, that point, might have been the most unhittable pitch maybe in the history of the game. He hasn't thrown it as much this year for obvious reasons or some unknown reasons. But <laughs> that splitter, when he threw it, and, and, and watching a really good hitter like a Matt Olson swing like that and thinking he's got no chance to follow through with his swing, I'm like, wow, this dude is like ridiculous on the mound. Because I knew, I mean, I watched him in spring training that year, and everybody's walking around like, I don't know if this guy should even be enabled. He had bad numbers pitching, he had bad numbers hitting. Everyone was like, but if you watch his bullpen sessions, watch him hitting, there's something there. I mean, it's got to be incredibly hard to go from being the comfort zone of being over in your home country over in Japan, then all of a sudden you're supposed to be the new Babe Ruth. And there's a lot of expectations. You got to deal with different things from, you know, the language, the culture, the baseball, everything. But I saw something in both his bullpen sessions and hitting batting practice about wow this dude's special but i had no idea he was going to be this <laughs> incredible but that game against oakland when he almost had a perfect game into the seventh inning i'm like wow this dude is unreal <laughs> yeah that, that, that one was uh definitely the game where otani sort of arrived because like gooby said everybody was very skeptical about him in spring training but after he had that game and he also hit like three homers in the week before that game everybody's like okay this is for real but but for me i would sort of say that otani's rebirth quote-unquote, was the first game of the 21 season that he pitched. It was a Sunday night baseball game. It was against the White Sox, and it was the first time he pitched and been in the lineup at the same time in a game. And at the top of the first inning, he throws like a few 100-mile-an-hour pitches, which we hadn't seen in his little brief comeback from Tommy John the year before. And then in the bottom of the first, he hits a ball like 115 miles an hour, 450 <laughs> feet. So there's very few guys in all of the major leagues who did both those things. Uh, or did either of those things, I should say. And certainly nobody did both of them, and he did them in the first inning of his first start of the season. And when that happened, you were pretty much going like, oh, wow, this this is really going to happen again. He's he's really back. So that was a pretty eye-opening moment. You, you know, Doug, I don't know if you have one of those, Doug. It, here's mine. I, I went to spring training. I think this was 2020. But was, he, was he back on the mound in 2020, like Fletch? Uh, yes. And well, he was recovering. Might have been 19. Surgery. I can't remember now. So 19, uh, must've been 19. So I remember I'm, I'm in spring training and, uh, the angels had not announced when he was going to throw his first bullpen. And then I saw the, like the Japanese writers were just kind of buzzing and they were telling me, we, we think he's throwing a bullpen today. And then like this stampede busted out right? just an ordinary spring training meeting and now the entire japanese media corps which is what about 700 people starts 
sprinting to the backfields toward the toward where those bullpen mounds are, and every fan who was in attendance follows them. So I thought, I'm doing this. <laughs> so <laughs> we we wander back there, and just to watch this guy throw his first bullpen of spring training, they they outdrew the Rays. I'm telling you, it was the most amazing sight I have ever seen. And look, I I know what he is. I thought I knew what he is. That's when it really hit me. He's more than just a baseball player. He is a freaking international rock star. Am I right? Oh, definitely. I mean, he's when you go on the road or even at home, it's like, you know, it's like the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and and every, you know, Tom Cruise all <laughs> in the one because and the thing is, he just kind of walks around like, you know, what you know, we always joke about what's your favorite thing to do? Sleep. And I'm thinking, <laughs> you know, is this, is this Sam Perkins or something? What do you mean your favorite thing is, is to sleep? Sleep and work out and and just trying to be the best baseball player in the history of the game is all he it drives him. But I'll tell you what, I've never seen anything like it. Like I said, I've been around guys like Bo Jackson where everyone just wants to, you know, to be able to say I was near Bo Jack. Every human being in the world wants to see Shohei up close. Every one of our games, when we leave now, obviously, by the way, I love the fact that the game is much quicker right now with the pitch timer, but that's another story. <laughs> Every fan stays to the last minute when you walk out. And this is the excitement level that they witnessed something that Shohei did. No matter if he just missed a fly ball, hits it, you know, up in the air, deep to the, you know, and it's caught. Doesn't matter. They all are in the same agreement that this witnessing something that we may or I, I can almost guarantee we'll never see this ever. We were we're lucky enough to be able to witness this right now. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Can we go down the, the, the Bo Jackson road? Uh, Joe Madden used to compare him to Bo Jackson, too. Um, th- does, the, does the Bo Jackson comparison extend beyond the oohs and ahs and the <laughs> able to do two things at once phenomenon? You know, I, I think so. But it's because I remember even George saying the same thing as pitchers. You know, we, we're preachers of habit. Sometimes we'll go up in the clubhouse, you know, go get a drink or something like that, some Gatorade. But whenever you couldn't ever move off the bench when Bo Jackson was either in the field or in the plate or on the bases because we were going, what is he going to do next? I think it's the same thing with, you know, with Shohei. You never want to even move away from your seat because you might witness something. And if you don't see it, you happen to move away, you're going to be upset with yourself. I always joke around, you know, I did that 30 for 30 to one time when the pilot comes out of the cockpit and wants an autograph from Bo Jackson. 
I'm like, whoa, who's flying this plane, sir? And I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sweat right now because I don't love flying any. I'm like, and then the next pilot go, okay, is this an airplane movie? Is that one little that uh, co-pilot could be flying this plane? But that's the thing. Every human being wants to say they've been around Shohei Otani just like Bo, and and even when you see whether it was a baseball game or football game, I went to a bunch of the Raider games, and every one of the football players, these are guys that are like battling each other. They go up. Is there anybody in the world like this guy? I mean, they're, they're in the middle of a football game. And that's the same thing now. Every time you run into anybody it's it plays against or watches Bo play or show a play now, they're going the same thing. Go, I, I can't believe we're seeing what we're seeing from this guy yet. <laughs> it's the same demeanor, same thing as Bo. I mean, they just go, well, this is, it's just me, but we're all going, you're not just me. You're not a human being. <laughs> but it's the same thing. Their, their drive is so similar, that, and yet it's a – Eh, no big deal. I'm just doing what I want to do. The rest of us are thinking we're seeing an Academy Award winning movie every single day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I remember, um, you know, in that series in Anaheim with the Cubs, I noticed he didn't really take batting practice a lot on the field. You know, that was like something I was like, oh, wow, what does he do? So I was talking to uh, Marcus Timms and he was like, well, he hits off the tee a lot. I said, okay. And uh, he said, yeah, I hit a ball 113 miles an hour off the tee the other day. <laughs> I was like, 113 <laughs> off the tee? <laughs> I mean, this doesn't make any sense. Like, he could stand at home and just hit it into the rocks off of a tee. I mean, and uh, and that reminds me of one of the times where, you know, I wasn't paying attention to, like, each start. And it might have been before he was, like, formally doing the rotational thing. And uh, it was like a week where he... I don't even know how many struck out. What's the most he struck out in a game? 15. It was something in that range. And then he hit two home runs. Like, and I was like, wait a minute. Is that, I was trying to figure out, is that the same week or what, what just happened? Like, <laughs> you know, balls bouncing in the rocks and then he's like striking everybody out, you know, days later. It just, it is, it's mind blowing. I mean, and I, 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 you know, just like most of us, like I pitched and hit and I pitched through high school, even a little bit in college. And, you know, even at that level, throwing hard, hitting, it just, it's like still doesn't even compare to what Otani's doing at a major league level. It's it's absolutely bananas. I think one of the incredible things about Otani that allows him to do this is he has really dialed in exactly the amount of work he needs to maintain his swing and pitching. So he doesn't throw a single ball that is unnecessary. He doesn't take a single swing that's unnecessary. So it's not like he's 24 hours a day just like killing himself because I don't think that you could do that. So, but, but I mean, that's even more incredible that you can find the exact most efficient amount of batting practice to take, most efficient bullpens to take to do both of these jobs. And, uh, it's, it's really incredible. Incredible. All right. Now uh, we'll get back to, to Shohei and what he does on the field. Uh, and to get himself onto the field. But it is that time of year where we can't help but think about the future. Uh, and by that, we mean, uh, one, the trade deadline. Two, what follows that? This winter, free agency, where he'll be beyond this year. So uh, can we start with the deadline? I, I have not talked to an executive from any other team who thinks Shohei will be traded at the deadline. You guys see this from the inside so fletch on a scale of what one to 100 what do you think are the chances that the angels trade him or even listen seriously at the deadline so is one the lowest well you can go zero go zero. zero 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 <laughs> i think if they if they like lose 20 games in a row you know 
between now and then uh, and have like absolutely no chance, then maybe they would listen. But even then, I think they still want to re-sign him. And if they trade him, then they can't re-sign him. So uh, or it hurts their chances of re-signing him. So uh, and now they're, they're in it. They're very much in the race right now. So there's no reasonable way to uh, justify trading him when you're in the race, especially when all these years they've all been talking about, we just got to get back to the playoffs. Let's get back to the playoffs. Let's get back to the playoffs. And if you finally have a chance to do it, and then you go, ah, let's trade Otani because, you know, maybe we won't re-sign him and we don't want to just get a draft pick. Well, that's just stupid. So uh, I think uh, I'm going to put it at zero. Mark, what about you? Uh, I'm, I'm going below zero. How about <laughs> well, my you know, one to I mean, 100 scale is not faring very well here. <laughs> oh, I, think, I mean, right now, I mean, they just bring in Eduardo Escobar. They're bringing in Mike Moustakas. They're all in. I mean, these guys, you know, they've been winners. They're great teammates. So Perry Manassian right now is trying to add players. There's no way you can even think that they would move Shohei Otani because, you know what, right now, I mean – who would want to face the Angels? You get the say you get the postseason. Who would want to face the Angels? I mean, you know you're going to face Shohei Otani the first game. I mean, so right away you're already up one game to none in a, in a five game series or seven game series. That gives you an automatic chance to go far in the postseason. Get in there, get them in there twice during you know during a during a series. And, uh, you know, it, it, that's what everyone keeps saying. They're going to trade him. There, there's no way you would even think about doing that because what he's do- doing with this team, the excitement level, whether we're at home or on the road, and, that, you know, maybe from a purely selfish reason, I think we're all because with the Angels and watching him daily, I, I I can't even perceive them not re-signing him either. I mean, the friendships he has with Patrick Sandoval, with David Fletcher, Zach Neto, the great young player, Mickey Moniak, both had said he's their best teammate they've ever had. His comfort zone, I mean, a lot of people don't see Shohei away from the field in the, in the dugout, how comfortable he is with these with his teammates and how comfortable he is with everybody around the whole area with the Angels, that that's going to come into play. As much as everyone said there's no way he's coming back as an Angel, I would say there's a real good chance he's going to stay an angel for the rest of his career. Because I think that level of comfort for him is huge. And the team finally, when you even look at some of the the arms we've been seeing coming up from double A and some of the younger players they have in the system, he's got to believe finally there's not only there's a good core in the major league level, there's guys that they're going to be able to supplement and bring along as his his career progresses here as an angel. I I want to revisit this too, but let's roll the clock back. Last deadline, they weren't in it. Um, there weren't a lot of indications they could extend him. Um, did, didn't even talk seriously about trading him then. Didn't do it this winter. And so it, it kind of raises that big picture question of, if you're out of it, should you then trade him? Uh, you know, the Nationals, we saw what they did with Juan Soto when they were certain they couldn't sign him. The Red Sox traded Mookie Betts when they didn't know if they were going to be able to sign him, but they decided it wasn't a good bet. If there's even uncertainty, it seems like there's a lot of people who feel like the the prudent business thing to do is to trade Shohei. Uh, Gooby, I think you're, you've already sounded like you're on record as you'd rather not see that. Fletch, what, what do you think? Is I mean, I think Are the first Angels of all, doing the right thing by holding on to this guy no matter what. 
Well, I think uh, a couple of reasons. When you look at last year's deadline, <clears throat> if they trade him, they still could try to win in 2023. No matter what they did in 2022, they were going to try to be good in 2023. So trading him last year, even if they were totally out of it last year, which they were, they still wanted to try to win this year. <clears throat> so that was worth holding on to him. Now, I think that the the premise that a lot of people go in with that I think is faulty is that the Angels have no chance of re-signing him. I think that that is what a lot of people assume, which is based on basically, you know, he's made these comments like, all I want to do is win. Winning is the most important thing. Every player says that. <laughs> Every player thinks that. But they don't all just sign with, you know, the Yankees or Dodgers. So other things matter. And a lot of those other things work out very well for Shohei Otani with the Angels. He's very comfortable. He's comfortable in his environment. He's comfortable with his teammates. The organization basically bends the whole roster around to fit him. He's not the easiest guy to just drop into your roster. It's not just like any team could just take, you know, Garrett Cole and put him in and he fits perfectly. Shohei Otani does not necessarily fit perfectly with every team. And, uh, you know, I think that he knows how it works with the Angels. He doesn't necessarily know how it works with another team. He's also, you know, he's got this deal with the Angels where he hardly ever has any media obligations or nobody bothers him, nobody does anything. Maybe that would work someplace else. Maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it wouldn't be a big deal to him. Maybe it wouldn't be a big deal to the other team. But it's all an unknown that he doesn't have to worry about being unknown with the Angels. So I think all that adds up to there being some realistic chance of him re-signing with the Angels. And if there is that chance... You don't just give up on that, uh, especially for what you're talking about for now that he's a rental, the return you'd get in a trade is not going to be this franchise altering. You know, nobody's trading you Michael Harris or Ellie Dela Cruz or anything like that. So you're still just going to get some prospects. And if you keep him and you lose him, you get a draft pick and you get some money with the draft picks. So that's not nothing. Uh, so I just think when you add all that up, it's not like this all or nothing thing where like, 0% chance of him coming back and, you know, 100% chance of you not making the playoffs with him. That's just not the case. So uh, that's why I think, and we're not even talking about the fact that he, they make a lot of money off him, you know, <laughs> put all that aside, just from a baseball standpoint, I think they do have a chance to keep him. I think they do have a chance to win this year with him, regardless of whether he comes back and there's value in that too. Uh, so that's why as long as they're in it, I think it, it makes total sense to keep him. You know, if they were sitting here right now, 12 games out, then I think it would be much more difficult conversation because then I think your chances of re-signing him would be much lower. But I think as long as you look like you have a chance to win, I think there's a chance of him re-signing. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because one of the narratives you hear a lot about is, um, you know, you look at Mike Trout, right? So he's playing alongside a legacy angel who's one of the greatest players to ever play the game, who's seen very little playoff experience. And, you know, so I guess I'm curious about what you think Otani's personality is around that. Does he look at it and say, I don't want to be that guy, you know, five years from now or seven years from now? How, I don't know how old they are difference, probably not not ton, but a few years from now. Or, you know, is he sort of like, you know, okay, if we just get this, if we just get that, you know, we could be perennial contenders. Because, you know, the sort of outsider the non-angels outsider selfish fan, you know, thinks about like, gosh, I'd love to see these guys like in the postseason every single year. I mean, 
what magic would they do on center stage game seven? I mean, he's already an international phenomenon. What would he be if he's in game seven of the World Series? He'd be like, they'd be making like flags on Pluto in his name. You know, his face <laughs> would be on like Mars or something. So, um, so I'm, yeah, so I'm curious like how you see, you know, you know, Shohei Otani, like what does he want? And, you know, he has agents, he has other influencers that are like, dude, like maybe you need to think about this. I mean, what gives you like the feeling like despite that, he can see through that in terms of his relationships and want to stay. Look, that, that's a great point because, I mean, you go back to the WBC when it was Team Japan versus Team USA. It's it's Shohei Otani, even Mike Trout at the end of the game, the excitement level. We all felt as, as baseball fans, even, you know, base, fans of sports in general became baseball fans because of that matchup. To see both of them competing as angels trying to win a World Series would be huge. And I think Part of that, they they both felt that energy. Even Patrick Sandoval pitched for Team Mexico, the same thing. You felt that vibe as soon as they all got back together. You're kind of feeling that going right now. But as a pure baseball fan, and we all are here, you want to see them guys on the big stage. You want to see them like LeBron James every year going a chance to win a championship. You want to see them you know, where everyone goes, wow. So then you draw in average baseball fans because you're seeing a phenom like Shohei Otani in that, in that stage. Hey, all-star games when he, you know, a couple years ago in Colorado, when he started the game, bat at first, it was in home run derby. I mean, the, everyone was watching. Ratings were incredible. You want to see that. And, and I know right now for baseball, I just saw something today where there's so many fans going to the game. There's so much excitement level now. We're seeing part of it because what we saw in the WBC were you want to have the stars of the game in those big moments. And that's why I think. You know, Artie Moreno's, you know, allowing Perry Manassian to go out and add on. They're, I don't think they're done trying to do that. They're going to do everything they can to get that thing where Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, the respect that Shohei has for Trout is unbelievable. It's still, he'll say, this is Mike Trout's team. Although when you look at what, what Shohei's doing, you know, you can, you can go either way on that one, but they both won. I mean, I love the fact that when, you know, after they've had some back-to-back home runs where Mike Trout is there to give the Kabuto hat to Shohei Otani. For me, that's not easy to do when, when you're a star and you're sharing your stardom with another star. It's not easy. You know this. It's not easy to do that because to be great, you have to have an incredible ego. Yet these guys share that same want to be in the postseason together and to see what they can do as a part of a franchise and go to that biggest stage and, and win it all. I don't think that uh, if I answer that one real quickly, I don't think that yeah. Mike Trout certainly signed up to never make the playoffs. You know, when he signed his extension, he he certainly didn't believe that, that was what the Angels were going to do. And if Shohei Otani doesn't believe that the Angels are going to be good, then he's not going to resign. But the question is, you know, is there enough there for a reasonable person to believe that they could be good, despite the fact that they haven't been? You know, their farm system is getting a little better. They're they're pretty decent this year. And they're not, you know, there's some teams, we can all name them, that are just perennially not in it, and you don't think they're going to be in it. And the Angels are not in that category, despite the fact that they have failed recently. So I think that it's it's just going to be how Otani perceives the future. Um, In your book, Showtime, like, let me find it here, hold on. There it is. <laughs> Available everywhere, books are sold. <laughs> you know, there's so much insight into this guy, and... Japanese what? also, by the way. Wow. <laughs> but anyway. Cool. Nice. Very cool. I didn't know you could write in Japanese. Um, <laughs> what, what, so one of my favorite parts of this book 
is the account of how he went about free agency the last time. Because it went fast. It was very West Coast-centric, other than the Cubs. It really wasn't even about the money. It was about comfort level. You guys have talked about it even today. How much insight, Fletch, do you think that provides into how the next foray in the free agency is going to go this winter? Yeah, well, I mean, that's really the only data points that we have. Uh, right. He certainly doesn't say anything, but if we look at what happened the first time, uh, it was clear that he didn't just want to get the most money because, first of all, even of the small amount of money that he was able to get by the, the international signing rules, he still could have gotten more from some other teams. And he also could have just waited a couple of years and gotten a ton more money, he would have been a free agent, could have gotten $200 million or whatever. So uh, I think money is not the primary thing. And and for whatever anybody thinks they know about Shohei Otani, and I don't certainly know everything, but one thing I know is he's going to go where he wants to go, not just what the dollar value is the highest, because he's going to get plenty of money from whoever. You know, there's going to be yeah. six or seven teams that are in the ballpark. that are all going to give him ungodly amount of money. And then he's just going to pick the one that he wants to go to the most, which is what he did. The last time so and also uh it didn't take him very long and uh it also didn't take him very long to sign a, an arbitration his last year of arbitration this year he signed the his deal in october and normally that's the thing that happens in like january february so i think that he just wants this business to be done and he wants to just go where he's going to be comfortable and not like uh do what the Scott Boris client would do is just drag it on out to the last possible <laughs> minute and get every single dollar he can possibly get. I do not think that's going to happen. I think that uh, when the season ends, he's going to say, all right, here's come bring me your offers like right now and let's talk and I'm going to pick a team and that'll be that. All right, let, me, let me follow up on that. Um, you know, as you wrote, he wasn't interested in the Yankees last time. He didn't put the Mets on his list. I know we talked to the Dodgers, but, but that quote from Clayton Kershaw after he flew in for the meeting when it was on his wedding anniversary, right? Something like that. that. The whole thing was a waste of time. Like that's still in my head. Those are the teams that would figure to, to drive the dollars or the yen to historic territory. Do you think he's more open to those teams now than he was when he first came to the major leagues? Well, there is one very significant difference now is that the DH exists in the National League, which was right. not the case back then. And I really don't think he had any interest in playing a position. I think just being a pitcher and a hitter is hard enough, but being a pitcher and an outfielder is just would be way too much on his body, I think. So uh, that pretty much changes the equation as far as that goes. I still am very skeptical that the uh, the big East Coast, big market kind of teams, Mets uh, or Yankees, Red Sox, that kind of thing that he would really be interested in that just because he's, he's really just wants to be as under the radar as he can possibly be, to, you know, to whatever extent that's possible. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I would <laughs> find it really, really hard to believe that he would be interested in the, the Yankees or Red Sox. The Mets are the only exception to that. And I think that's because of Billy Epler, because Billy Epler was basically the guy who convinced him to pick the angels. And he had a great relationship with Billy now, the way the Mets are going right now, who knows, Billy Epler might not be there. But uh, I think that, that the Billy Epler factor certainly would maybe convince him to go to a, a situation like that. But uh, otherwise, I think he would like to just be a West Coast kind of not a big media bubble 
sort of thing. And the Dodgers obviously are that, plus they always win. And now they have a DH. So I think that's why most people still think the Dodgers are probably the most likely team if he does not resign with the Angels. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it, it is amazing. Yeah, well, that's the one thing I think about, like, well, he could just drive down the street, you know? <laughs> like, So if you're comfortable in Southern Cal and all these things, um, yeah, it strikes me as just an incredible loyalty uh, and just trying to, like you said, just uh, just play ball. It reminds me of Scott Rowland in that way. Like, Scott's like, just give me my lunch. Let me just play ball, okay? <laughs> like, I just want – it's like, don't – I don't you know, I don't want all this stuff, you know? And, and just being that good – uh, you know, is is really remarkable, and um, I guess with Otani, I guess you know we were talking about the team, and I'm I'm curious about what you think about the team overall. You mentioned the the future possibilities of the development side, and this season, you know, I I got to see them sweep the Cubs as a team that looked pretty sharp, but um, you know, guys have gone down a little bit in terms of Oshella and so on. So what? What do you see as the angels outside of these two super forces in Trout and Otani? Yeah, you know, the thing for me, Doug, right now, uh, coming into the season, I thought when you talk about the strength of the season, I thought it was their starting rotation. Yeah, Grant, they're young. Reed Deppner's, Patrick Sandoval, you know, Griffin Canning's been throwing the ball very, very well. At that point, Jose Suarez, who's who's been injured now, I really thought that was going to be something that gave him a chance to win every game. Yet, it hasn't been consistent yet. The bullpen, which is always a question mark, you know, Perry Manassi said, you know what? I'm going with some power arms that came up from double A. I mean, these guys are, are really solid. And, you know, bullpen guys are like kickers in the NFL. And when, when you miss a field goal and everything goes, you don't know, you don't notice them unless they miss a field goal, I should say. <laughs> when they're doing their job on the mound in, in bullpen, we don't even talk about them. So their starting staff is starting to come together. So that's why I feel really comfortable saying I really feel they got a real great shot of getting the postseason this year. And no, everyone's going to say, oh, you're always optimistic. But, I, but I'm seeing these guys every day and talking to them every day. They're still – I mean, Mike Trout hasn't really hit, hit peak form yet, and yet they're five games over 500. They're that close, about a game out, a half game out of, of the wild card spot. He's going to get rolling. He's starting to show some signs of that. Eduardo Escobar, I mean, just watching him a couple games over there, I'm like, I saw him from afar thinking – this guy can hit, but it's already the presence he brings two days into the team, what he does as far as his approach. Anthony Radone was that guy when he's out there. When he comes back, which hopefully won't be too much longer, guys that are winners and guys have an idea at the plate make everyone else those younger players. Logan Ohapi, I'll tell you what, he would have been in that conversation for rookie of the year. He's that big of a difference maker. Same thing with Zach Neto. Both of those guys are going to be back at some – Neto obviously before – Ohapi, but Ohapi's not that far away from coming back. So you have those young guys, the infusion. Mickey Moniak's been great. There's a reason why he was a, a one-one. He was a first overall pick, you know, first rounder. He's 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 clutch as can be. Every time I look up, I was saying yesterday in the game, seventh thing or later, cl- close game. Feel pretty good about what he's going to do. Boom, it's a double off the wall and dead center in Colorado. They're, all those things are going to come together, but it all starts around the rotation. Shohei Otani is the the head of that rotation. He's figured out something. His balance has been better. He had that little bit of a tough stretch where his sweeper, you know, break a ball, whatever we want to call it, was <laughs> a little bit. I, I think with the rotation going right now, I think they got a great shot. And, and that's going to make everything around the team, the energy level. Boy, that series, even though they got beat both games against the Dodgers, that stadium was crazy. And I think going forward, it's going to be that way because people expect them to win because the things are added in there as far as those extra pieces. 
Are you struggling to close deals? B2B selling is tougher than ever, and that's why I want to tell you about LinkedIn Sales Navigator. One more great product from LinkedIn. You're there to network, you're there to look for jobs, you're there to post jobs, and how about LinkedIn Sales Navigator? It's a sales intelligence platform that helps professionals effectively prospect and engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator helps you target the right buyers, surface key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize and shows you hidden allies so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash baseball show. That is linkedin.com slash baseball show for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash baseball show and get started. When you get injured, you don't want to wait for answers and options. That's why it may be time to explore the Nano Experience a revolutionary treatment option designed to help active people get back to the lifestyles they love. Nanotechnology allows surgeons to see inside even the smallest joints and treat orthopedic conditions with a tiny camera and other nano instrumentation, all through a barely-there poke-hole incision. Wherever you've experienced an injury, whether it be foot and ankle, hand and wrist, shoulder and elbow, knee or hip, nanoarthroscopy can be used to diagnose and treat your condition in an extremely, minimally invasive way. Don't wait to learn about the revolutionary nano experience and how it could help you or someone you know after an injury. Visit arthrex.info slash the athletic. This is not medical advice and is not meant to be a substitute for advice from your physician. Talk with your physician about your health condition, potential surgical risks, and whether Arthrex products are right for you. Postoperative management is patient-specific and dependent upon your physician's assessment. Individual results will vary. Jeff, you know, one of my favorite anecdotes in your book is when, this is from during free agency, Shohei decides he wants to come see the stadium in Anaheim, but there's a Mm -hmm. slight problem. The Eagles are practicing there. We had to get a Philly, we had to get a Philly mention, right? Right, we we did. So we have, we have have several (laughs) suspects, right? We have Mark Gubiza, we have Mike Sosha, and we have Mike Trout, Eagles season ticket holder. Uh, we're not sure who made that happen. You can reveal it here. It's not the book. And why was there a football team there? And how did it impact Shohei's free agency? Uh, well, that's a, I, I don't know exactly what the connection was. I wouldn't be surprised if it was Mike Trout. But the, the Eagles, I believe, I had so. played the uh, the Rams yeah. one week. And then the next week, they were playing the Seahawks or vice versa. And they didn't want to fly all the way back, back coast to coast <laughs> twice. So they just stayed on the West Coast in between the games and uh, borrowed Angel Stadium to uh, have their practices. <laughs> so the Angels, that meant, you know, the stadium, which normally there's nobody there in December, they had to uh, sneak Shohei in there so nobody would see him because there's a whole football team and media and all kinds of people <laughs> thrown around. And uh, so they had to kind of sneak him in to uh, to avoid people being seen. But that was, it was kind of an interesting little uh, tidbit that happened. Uh, let's have Mark Gubiza admit it's all his doing, right? <laughs> Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I wish I, I wish I could claim that. You know what? As a, as an Eagle fan or as an Eagle fan, we would call him. Uh, going back, and you know, when the teams that had to go from coast to coast over the years never do well. So why not have them go to the Angel Stadium to work out? It, it worked <laughs> out the perfect scenario. <laughs> I saw Mike Sosha the next week. 
I was as excited as I've seen him about anything. <laughs> the Eagles showed up in the, his stadium. Tremendous. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, about as stoic as any human being ever. You didn't know if you were up 11 or down 11. No, right? <laughs> we still text all the time whenever there's an Eagle game going on, good or bad. Usually it's the bad ones when you're really screaming, go, what's going on here? Let's, let's get the protection <laughs> for her behind there. We need the offensive line to do their job. But, I mean, to have them guys there, and I think, you know, when you watch a football game up close or watch these guys work out, I mean, then you look at Shoei. By the way, Shoei Otani right now probably could play football. I'm sure he's <laughs> pretty good at football. Anything he does, you never doubt. It's like Bo knows. I mean, Bo would, you know, you throw him in. Could he play ice hockey? I mean, Wayne Gretzky, I've never played. goes, no. But, you know, again, I wouldn't doubt if Bo could have played hockey. Same thing with Shoei. He could probably do anything he wants to do. <laughs> All right, I have another question for you guys. Um, just did a show on MLB Network with Steve Phillips, who's a former general manager of the Mets. And, you know, it's Steve's belief that the Angels should not pay the money to this guy because there's no way he can keep doing both. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, this is on my mind. Probably it's his fault. But how long do you think mm-hmm. he can continue to do both, especially at this level? Mark, what do you think? Oh, you know what, uh, Jason, Doug, and 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 Fletch. Uh, you know, I think the same thing. I scratched my head. I'm like, man, how how can he do this? How can you <laughs> physically and mentally do this? Because every day, everyone's asking, "You tired?" And his his standard answer is, "I want to win." He doesn't allow anything. and doesn't allow a follow up question. That I just want to win. Well, how do you answer that? After, or ask another question. I just want to win. Well, I mean, I would think minimum. The way he's going right now, I I, didn't, I had no idea he'd be able to do it one year, let alone doing it at this level. And I think each year from 21 to 22, 23, I think he's better at what he's doing. I would say no less than probably four to five more years of doing the same. So if you win, you know, a couple of world championships during that stretch before he goes and does one or, or the other, then you're still okay. And for me, I think four or five more years because his – discipline, his work ethic, and his desire to be the best player the game has ever seen. That's the thing that doesn't get talked a lot about. He wants to be known as the best player ever. And everybody, every player now goes, there's never been anybody better. And he's only done it for a short little window. He wants to be that best player ever. And to do that, I think to do both is something that's going to drive him for some time more. That's the thing people forget. He came here to do both. You can't impose on him that he should just do one. He's all about both. Fletch, yeah. do you, you you agree with that assessment? Yeah, I mean, I, I have no idea how many more years he's going to be able to do it, but I do feel confident that whatever number of years contract he gets, eight, nine, ten, he's not going to be doing it both for all that time because that's just too much to even fathom. If he is, then... It's even more of a miracle than what he's done. So, you know, on the other side of the coin is that, you know, if you sign a pitcher to an eight-year deal and he's not a good pitcher after five years, you're you're in trouble. If you sign Otani to an eight-year deal and he's only a hitter at the last three, you're still getting a lot more value than, you know, the Nationals have gotten from Patrick Corbin, you know, at the end of his contract or something like that. So that's the other way to look at it is that he's he's sort of the most risky free agent ever because he can't keep doing what he's doing, but maybe he's the safest free agent ever because he's got two <laughs> ways to go and you know, you're going to get something. I mean, like for example, when he had Tommy John surgery, he had like the most productive Tommy John surgery rehab ever because <laughs> 30 home runs during his Tommy John rehab. So uh, that's kind of what you're looking at with him. 
It's like, yeah, I think of Bryce Harper. But I'm curious about, like, we all love this game. And um, and there's, like, always the lessons we're trying to pull from it. And I'm curious, when you think of the moment of, like, you have the two, you know, greatest players in many facets, in some, you know, under some metrics, some understandings, you have the two greatest players on one team. And it's still so hard to win. So I guess, what is your takeaway from that? Just that simple statement about baseball and what you love about it and what, you know, what you don't necessarily love about that statement. I'll start with you, Mark. Yeah, Doug. I mean, that, that's a great point. I remember when A-Rod signed with the Texas Rangers, like, okay, they, they're going to win the World Series. Well, baseball more than any other sport. Basketball, if you have two superstars, we see that a lot, you have a chance to win a championship and, and a number of them. And, you know, even in football, if you have, a, you know, as long as you have that one, you know, great receiver or running back with a great quarterback and a, and a, and a solid offensive line, you can win. But baseball, because we saw it in Colorado, you score 25 runs the, the, the day before and then the next day, regardless of what the pitcher Gomber's ERA is, when you're locked in as a pitcher, there's nothing you can do. That's the beauty of baseball. I think more than any other sport, it does. You need everybody. You got to have other players buy into I don't need to be the star. You know, when you think about Academy Award winning movies, there's your stars. There's a lot of good co-stars and you need the co-stars to sign off and go, I'm okay with not getting all the attention. And then baseball, you need to have a bunch of other players on your team. You got to, you know, guys in the bullpen to come in and do their job. Starter starting pitchers got to do their job. Guys off the bench got to be willing to play once or twice a week, but come in and win a game for you. Hey, we won a World Series in 85. We had no business winning a World Series. Toronto was a better team than us. They were up three games to one. The Cardinals were better, but we played as a team. You need 25 guys now, 26 guys. And you got that's the that's what I love about our game so much more than any other sport. You cannot win a baseball, you know, go to the playoffs and win a World Series with one or two guys. You can't. You just can't do it. No matter how good they are, you need those guys around them to make them better, but also to sign off them being good enough be able to help this team win and do whatever it takes to win. That's why, like, even talking to Phil Nevin yesterday, he goes, I finally feel we have some guys on this team right now or all they care because they're going to be because of these add-ons from when you get Rendon back, you know, and you get Neto back. Boy, all, all of a sudden, who's getting these at-bats? But he said, every one of the guys to a unison said, all we care is, is getting to the playoffs. And that's what you got to have. You got to have that mentality that all that matters is getting to the postseason. Everything else will take care of itself down the road. And that's what makes baseball so unique and beautiful is you need everyone to sign off and sing. And no matter what, even if I'm getting less at bats than I normally would on another team, I'm willing to do that to win. Yeah. Okay. I'll add that it's, it's not just uh, you need to have a lot of good players, but you need to have a lot of good young players because those young guys are cheap. And they also tend to stay healthy better because they're young and they get, they improve. And that's what the angels really have not had is they've not had a farm system. That's been able to produce like 10 or 12 significant producing guys that, you know, are making the major league minimum. And so you have to fill in every single hole with somebody you get from another team. And those guys, usually their age starts with a three, which is not good. And they make a lot of money. So the, all of that is just very risky and that's basically why it hasn't worked so far. All right. Before we let you go, we have to talk about what happened with the Angels Saturday night. Um, <laughs> I turned on that game. It was 15 to nothing. Then it was 23 to nothing. 
then it was 25 to nothing. Wound up as the only 25 to one game in the modern era. This is known on this show as our kind of game. (laughs) Goob, you were calling that game with Matt Vaskirgin. Yeah. How would you describe what you saw? You know what? As it was unfolding and when they scored 13 runs in the third inning, I'm like, wait a minute. As I'm going, I'm filling out my scorebook. And I'm still one of those. I I don't know how to do an iPad. I'm laying it down. I'm like, my hands are getting kind of tired here. I'm thinking, wait a minute now. Are are they ever going to make it out? Every, I mean, it wasn't like the crazy thing. There was no errors made. There was no position players pitching in that game. Usually you'll see that when a score like that. So you go, I don't know about those runs being scored. Everything they did that day was like they kept adding on. I'm like, and then I'm thinking, wait a minute now. Hunter Renfro is five for five. Mickey Moniak's five for five. That's only happened, what, five times in history where teammates were five for five in the game. And he also got on base, you know, with a walk and six hit by times. pitch. So yeah. six, they were on base six times. <laughs> Joey Otani was like one for seven in the game. Yeah, they scored 25 runs. I mean, Mike Trout, they hit three consecutive home runs on three pitches. One was a fastball, one was a cutter, one was a curveball. I'm like, how is this possible? I kept, and I kept looking at Maddie. I'm like, this isn't real. And I remember going home that night. I'm thinking I couldn't sleep because I'm thinking this is pretty cool to be able to witness something and talk about something that may not ever happen again. First time in history for the franchise to score that many runs and that many hits. But to see how they did it and and – and the respect they still have for the Colorado Rockies, especially because I, I obviously Bud Black's the manager. It wasn't where guys were like joking around, messing around, other than their normal excitement level. But to see that unfold, you know what? It was one of the coolest things. I can't believe how many base hits. Home, I mean, then you got David Fletcher hitting the home run. David Fletcher, <laughs> of course, he did. Incredible. I mean, and then Mickey Moniak hit the home run like he did. I'm like, I'm thinking he's going to hit for the cycle. And then he hits a ball, and Andy, I'm thinking, it's a trip. I'm about ready to jump out of my seat and just go out of my mind. He kind of <laughs> stumbled around first base. I'm like, all right, he's got one more bat. And then the next at bat, he hits a line drive. The right fielder, Jones, just luckily, luckily enough, got at least a part of the glove on it to keep it from getting away. Otherwise, he's hitting for the cycle. I'm thinking, what else could happen right now? <laughs> one of those games, I'm like, this is one of the coolest things I've ever, ever seen. Yeah, nothing about that game made any sense. No. Uh, Jeff, I know you were off over the weekend, but you must have a favorite tidbit from that game. You're a tidbit <laughs> you know, collector. I, I do have a favorite tidbit, and I'm actually surprised that Gooby didn't mention this. But to me, the, uh, the, the one is more impressive than the 25 because that is Coors Field. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like 25 to 8. You know, the Angels gave up one yeah. run, and Griffin Canning, the starter, gave up zero. And at that point, he's basically just trying not to walk people. And so if you're just going to – throw the ball over the plate and still give up no runs over six innings. Uh, I think that's a pretty impressive feat. And and Canning himself has been really good over the last like six starts. So I think that really bodes better for the angels in the big picture than, than one day where everybody got a bunch of hits. So I, I like to point at the pitching, even in a game like that. Right, Gooby? Oh, I mean, that's beautiful. You gave some pitchers some love on that one too. But I, <laughs> yeah. You know but, was, yeah. It was a pitching so, failure, though. Yeah. The whole world wanted it to be 25 zip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's so weird. The next day, somebody goes, you know, the very, I mean, it was 1984. We beat the the Oakland A's 16 and nothing. I have to be on the mound that day. And I'll tell you what, as a pitcher, when you're pitching those games, and Doug, you know this, you're saying, 
dude, you better not walk anybody because <laughs> you're, you're walking to me. How many more runs do we need? Throw strikes, throw fastballs. But the beauty about Griffin Canning was, you know what? He stayed the same course. He was still throwing his changeup. He was still, still throwing his slider. He wasn't caught up and going, nothing but fastball. See how far you can hit it. Because you know what? Bottom line is, baseball is a game of individual numbers. So you don't want to give up earned runs by just throwing that fastball down the middle of the plate, especially in that yard. All right. We, we got to let you guys run. But uh, Gooby Fletch, you guys are the best. Uh, watch Mark Gubazak call those Angels games. Always great. Read Showtime by Jeff Fletcher. Tremendous. Guys, thanks for joining us. Uh, please come back and visit us in Starkville again, I'm going to guess. It won't be the last time we talk about that show, Hey Otani Guy. Who? Who? <laughs> Who's that guy? <laughs> Okay, it's that time again. It's time for listener trivia, our way of involving you, our favorite listeners in this show. Uh, Doug, aren't we kind of the Otanis of trivia now? Like, the world has never seen anything like us since, what, since Ken Jennings? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to figure out, like, you know, offense, defense, pitching. You know, we, we're run preventing and we're run creating. <clears throat> so those two, yeah, sort of in, in a... So we're creating trivia, and we're preventing trivia from beating us. It's something like that. So I don't know what our OPS is, but it's pretty good. I was thinking we're just we're unicorns. We're trivia unicorns. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Let's go with that. Yeah. All right, so so uh, Mayor Tim is on another assignment this week. Didn't know that could happen to mayors, but um, <laughs> he told us last week we're now ten and three in trivia. This is the start of spring training. Ten and three. So uh, mm. what do you say we make that eleven and three this week, huh? Let's do it. Mm. I'm ready. I'm ready to go for it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there's only one piece of bad news. Mm. <laughs> our uh, our special trivia guest star this week has stumped us before. It's mm -hmm. our friend Jimmy Hawkins. Jimmy, welcome yeah. back to Starkville. Yeah, thanks awesome. for having me. Uh, mm -hmm. Now, uh, Doug, I'm sure you recall Jimmy is a Phillies fan. Uh, once a yes. one-time huge Doug Glanville fan. Am I right? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Good days. Of course. Yeah. Good days. Yeah, he, the Phillies weren't the Phillies weren't too good while he was there, but no, he, he was still a fan favorite. Yeah, I appreciate Very much that. So still is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I right, said, so how many times you've been on this show, and uh, have we ever gotten one of your questions right? <laughs> uh, I've I've been on five times before. This will be my sixth, and you have That's... not gotten any yet. So hopefully, Ooh. you get this one. Yeah, That's I don't remember one. getting any. I know that oh, for and, six. You know, it, it uh, Jimmy's one of those guys. Like we call for questions every week. J Jimmy submits a lot of questions. He's good. <laughs> He's got a and great mind for this. Greater than yes, ours. Yes, he does. But so yeah, this is clearly. this is a big moment, right? We never miss anymore. We never get his questions. So this is the defining moment for him <laughs> and for us. How about that for trivia drama, huh? Yes, game seven <laughs> or game six in this case. Right, okay. So we asked for Otani-related questions. Jimmy came through because that's what he does. All right, man, why don't you hit us with your question? All right, so there's only one answer this week. No, you know, there's no two out of three, three out of four, <laughs> anything like that. So it's just, it's just one guy this time. Okay. Oh. And I said, so uh, Shohei Otani and Team Japan just won the World Baseball Classic this year. And he is a heavy, heavy favorite to win the MVP as of right now. So my question is, who is the only player to win the World Baseball Classic and an MVP in the same season. 
Okay, the mm. only player to win an MVP award after playing for the winning team in the WBC. Uh, Doug, this is hard. It's hard. Now, is this, and, this is like, so the WBC is first, and then that, that season yeah, after that's that? That's right. That's yes. right. Not the Same year. Okay. Um, you realize, Doug, there's only one answer. You don't get to utilize your latest subtle <laughs> cheating scheme, right? Yeah, it's become subtle now, and then we're all, it's very, it's very yeah, it's, quiet. Yeah, it's, it's like been best ex- out of seven. It, it's been exposed, but it's subtle. We're going to go with subtle. We'll go with subtle. <laughs> yeah, and so that's one reason it's hard. The other reason is it, it's just so hard to remember who won the WBC back in the day. Um, so I, I feel like we've got a better chance of remembering Japan. who won the MVP in those years. I don't know. We're, we're just going to kind of muddle through this. So the, okay, so the last WBC before this one was 2017 the USA won. Yep. Astros and Dodgers were in the World Series. I I, I have no recollection. I think Altuve <laughs> was the AL MVP. Is that right? And oh, then the NL, right. I just can't even remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that so I don't have a, I don't have a good feel for that one. Um, before that was yeah. 2013. Mm-hmm. And, wasn't that wasn't that Miggy's triple crown year? And I feel like it was the it was a D- Venezuela WBC year. So hmm. I, I, I'm going to lean hard on that on Miggy as the last one. Before that, we had 2006, and Cam told us Nine. 2009 was the other. I think Japan won in 2006. So each year, but they never won the World Series, and then. Uh, 2009 Yankees won the World Series. Well, they don't have uh, to win the World Series, do they? All oh, right. No, right, no, right. no, no World, yeah. World Series. Yeah, Just, so right. Phillies, Phillies Yankees 2009. Um, yep. Korea Yankees. win that year? I don't know. I, Korea. Well, it, we think it's we think there's like two Japans, the Team USA, so, and that's like Korea so, and Venezuela maybe. Hey, so those are our the, guesses of like who won. Yeah, I mean, who else? We know the Dominican hadn't won. Puerto Rico lost to the Team USA. Right. Uh, did Mexico ever win? I don't think they. That I recall. No. Uh, so, I, okay, uh, my best guess is Miggy. Maybe you can persuade me otherwise. I mean, I thought about Ichiro, but you know, when would that be? Right. Like he. What What team did he win the World Series with? Well, you don't have to win he the World Series. He didn't have to win the oh, World okay. Series. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'm sorry. Right. But he won. Yeah. But he won. But he only won MVP his rookie year. What year? Correct? 2001? Yeah, what year? So that's pre-WBC. Oh, that's it. Yeah. So that does... Yeah, that's why I was right. Japan. Well, all right. So that's actually not too bad. Any any other from Matsui? Japan? Matsui in 09? But I don't think they won in 09. I think they won in 06. You mean the Japan... Japanese? They won... Yeah. They. Yeah, I don't know when they won. Yeah, they won the first one, right? Yeah, they, didn't was, the fir- they didn't win the first two WBCs? I, I, or did they just I, won I, one? I don't, I don't think so. I, 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 I thought they I were saw, dominant. I saw them win in 09. Oh, what about six, Cuba? Did Cuba win? Cuba lost to no? Japan early on, and they really haven't been great since. But, but they were playing with with play, until this year with players who were not in MLB. Mm, so they're okay. out. Hmm. Okay. So I, make sure like not miss, I'm, missing I'm a all country. in on I'm all in on Miggy. I don't have a better right. guess. Yeah, I mean that's so Venezuela. Yeah, I mean, I mean I could go with that. I mean I don't know. That's I, <laughs> I, I can't even think of the country. Team USA 2017. Yeah. And nobody on that team won the MVP. 
Could have. Gosh. I mean, Trout. Well, worry. We know Trout wasn't on that team, right? Because Correct. He, right. Right. Adam. Know, like Adam. Adam Jones. Adam Jones. Daddy? Right. He he was on that team, but he didn't win the MVP. Um, Marcus who, Stroman. Who was, was on no, that team? Come on. Who won the MVP award in 2017? Why do we not remember this? That's pre Bellinger. Uh, oh, right? oh, oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait. No, I'm thinking 19. 2017 Dodgers. It's pre Bellinger. Yeah. Kershaw mm. didn't Ooh, didn't pitch in WBC. Nah, go, no. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to go through that whole roster. I don't know any of the roster, so that doesn't help. Arenado. Um, he was on the team. Didn't win the MVP. Hmm. Hmm. All let, right. Let, uh, let's just let's just right. guess. Let's just guess. All right. We'll go with uh, you guess. That's, I, that's okay. That's I, I I don't like our chances, but Jimmy. Is there any shot that the correct answer is Miguel Cabrera? It is not Miguel Cabrera. So, so close. Who would it be then? You were, you were right on the on the track of the uh, team yesterday from 2017, and it was Giancarlo Stanton. Ooh, wow! 59 home runs. Ooh, so, Stanton. Wait, so Stanton was the MVP in 2017? Who knew? Uh, yeah, it, it, so, yeah, I wish Doug, I remember his home run totals. 59 home runs, right? That's when yeah. he, then he went to the Yankees. Yeah, makes, yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, you know, yeah, it makes sense. All right. <laughs> I, I got, what, what have we learned? Although Doug? he was, we, we've learned know. we're not perfect, and I hate it when that happens. Uh, well, we'd but have to I, go through I, the whole roster, and I would yeah, have like who was, <laughs> I don't know who was going to get a WBC trivia question right. Nobody could do that. I like it. That's uh, the point, though. We got to challenge right. ourselves, man. Yeah, but those WBC games don't even count. So should this count against us? What do you think? Uh, they count in our soul. So you know, since we're very soulful people, I'm going to say yes. We'll okay. allow it. Sure, why not? Uh, whatever. <laughs> As you know, whether we get the questions right or wrong, uh, we then change the subject here uh, beautifully. In this segment, we bring in the mayor of Starkville, or in this case, the acting mayor of Starkville, Cameron Molina, to play a classic play-by-play clip involving this week's answers. Cam, what do you got for us? A great segue there, Jay, and great to be back in Starkville. Just a quick sidebar on that 2013 WBC, the final standings. Dominican Republic took first place. Puerto Rico wound up in second with Japan in third. That was a DR one. Yeah, the DR, first place. And flashing back to 2017, on March 18, Gio Carl Stanton, against the DR, coincidentally enough, hit a two-run jack in the fourth inning, a prelude to that 2017-59 homer MVP season. Here you go. Placing a brick in the Western Metal Supply Company building. <laughs> the end of the night for Urban Santana. The U.S. has grabbed its first lead of the night. Matt Vescurgeon on the call. Uh, the, the clip was great. Our answer, not that great. We gave it a good try, oh, though. Yeah, uh, 20. So, Jimmy. Ten. Good one, good one. Uh, way to go. Uh, you're 6 and 0. Uh, <laughs> we're going to have to have you, we're gonna have to <laughs> have you back <laughs> until we. Finally, end your streak. Need to do that. We're going to bring I, him I back. I thought you might playoffs. get this one because there's there was only so few World Baseball Classics. So yeah. I, I thought you maybe maybe been able to narrow it down to uh, one of the teams, but we tried. 
<laughs> we, we tried our darndest, but as usual, so when you come on, we failed. So listen, That's man, right. thank you. We'll bring thank you for, for the playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Him or us. Uh, uh, <laughs> hey, uh, thank you for being such a loyal listener and trivia submitter. Please come back again sometime. Uh, I, I'm always, I'm always uh, submitting questions. So you just got to pick it and I'll, I'll be back. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It sounds like a plan. All right, Jim. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Just remember, you too can be part of these trivia segments just like Jimmy Hawkins. We'll tell you how in just a few minutes. Strange but true. You know, Doug, it's been a long time since we've had as many great options for this Strange but True segment as we have this week. But since we're all Otani all the time on this show, how can (laughs) we not go back to what happened in Coors Field Saturday night, when the Angels just nipped the Rockies in a thriller, 25 to 1. <laughs> okay. Now, I, first off, I, let, let's just pull the curtain back again on what it's like to be me as the official curator of baseball weirdness. You know, this is one of those games that even on Saturday night in June, I, I just can't escape. Uh, my phone starts to rattle when this stuff happens because there are just so many people out there who feel the need to alert me to what they tell me is a Jason Stark game. <laughs> okay. And then there goes the rest of my night. So <laughs> I, they, they alert me. I, I, I joined the action just as the Angels were finishing up the 13-run third inning that Mark Gubas I was just talking about. So it was 15 to nothing in the third inning, and you don't see mm. that much. And Doug, you no, were texting probably. me about this game, so obviously you were into it too. When did you become aware that this was going on? I, I mean, I think they yeah, they probably had 15. I mean, it was something ridiculous, yeah. but uh, I, I know I took a screenshot of the MLB app or something. <laughs> yeah, you did. I was like, and that's it. I didn't have to comment. I was like, what, what's happening right now? So, <laughs> so yeah, that was, wow. I mean, and it just kept going. I mean, I was like, are they going to get 50, 70? I was, was like, there was no end in sight. Yeah. I, I wasn't uh, rolling they at slowed 40. Down. I know that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was like, what was a third inning? Third Whew, inning. Yeah. Wow. Let's start with that third inning. I, I mentioned the yeah. Angels scored 13 runs in the third inning. Let's start with how that inning began because the first three pitches of this inning were unbelievable. <laughs> Trout sends a ball to deep center field. That one is going to go. Three nothing Halo. Did they go back to back again? Yeah, they did. Brandon Drury gets one. Matt Feist to right. <laughs> and that one's gonna go. Three straight homers on three straight pitches. <laughs> Matt Vaskurgeon is back. It's a big Matt Vaskurgeon play by play day on this show. Uh, so just to recap, that's three pitches from Chase Anderson who was pitching for the Rockies, three home runs. So that would be incredible enough, except for this. Over the last four seasons, there have been only two games in the whole sport where any pitcher gave up back-to-back-to-back homers on three pitches, and both times the pitcher was who, Doug? A position player. No, Chase Anderson, <laughs> both times. Chase Anderson. He, he oh also did goodness. it on September 17th, 2020. How nuts is that? Oh so he's got, he's got a little niche in, in, in our sport oh. and in our show. Uh, let's do some more f- fun stuff. There's so many notes from this game. I'll be writing about this later in the week. 
Uh, the Angels had not scored 20 run, 21 runs in a game in seven years. Uh, they'd scored 21 runs once in the previous 19 years. And then, I want you to think about this. They scored 21 runs in two innings. Two. <laughs> that happened since 1890. 21 Ooh. runs in two innings? Are you kidding? I, I, I keep going back to looking look at this. And so how about this? At one point, they were 17 for 21 with mm. four walks and five homers. So I want you to think about that. 25 Ooh. hitters, 21 of them reached base. <laughs> 21 out of 25. Doug, you played a lot of baseball. Did you ever experience anything quite like that in your esteemed career? No, no, no chance. I mean, 21 out of 25. I mean, uh, you know, I always talk about my debacle in college, but I don't think that, you know, those they, they scored three, seven, and five. It wasn't 21 runs in two innings. I mean, I don't even understand those numbers. And 17 for 12. What is that batting average, by the way? 17 for 21? I mean, it's like well, it's the math eight, on that. 870 or something. Eight, <laughs> 870? <laughs> I mean, There'll be no, more batting I, average math coming up, by the way. I mean, yeah. I mean, that. <laughs> That's just insane. I mean, you, yeah. I, I didn't hit that well in high school, and I, I hit like five-something, but I'd never – I don't think I had a stretch of 870. Yeah. Their so, whole team did that. The whole team. Their whole uh, team. All right, a couple more, a couple more here. Bananas. I tweeted about this one. People are still retweeting it. So the Angels had gone longer without a five-hit game than any team in the entire American League. So then Hunter Renfro became the first Angel – in five years to get five hits in a game. And then, because baseball is awesome, Mickey Moniak became the first angel to get five hits in a game since two hitters ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, so they waited five years, and then two hitters later, another guy did it, because that's just what baseball is. Uh, and now, all right, one more. We just got to bring the Otani conversation full circle. Oh, yeah. uh, Mark Gubazai was kind of alluding to this. But let's think about one more piece of incomprehensible math. So the Angels made 27 outs in the game, because that's how it works. <laughs> Shohei Otani made seven of the 27 outs, okay? He was one for seven with a double play ball. He made two outs in one inning at one point. So how about this, Doug? Angels not named Otani. It's 600. In the game. This is over an entire nine-inning game. Doug, is there an explanation for that? Come on. Uh, have we checked the solar eclipse calendar or lunar <laughs> eclipse calendar? I mean, No eclipses. Nope. Nothing. I mean, it's probably more rare than that. I mean, I'm trying to look at the sky. I mean, that yeah, that was just like, I don't even know what happened. You just kind of feel like there's something bigger at play here when you just can't find an out. I mean, <laughs> outs are easy to come by, I'm telling you. But wow, I mean, they, and the three and three pitches, like one, two, three. I mean, it's just like, how do you do that? I mean, I don't know. It's just, it was just miraculous. And look, Colorado is a dream park to hit in. I mean, it, it gets a lot of heat because of the, you know, the altitude, but it's also a gigantic park. Like you could fit Fenway in it and the grass is cut like, you know, like a bald eagle or something. I mean, it's so, so anything on the ground is through anything. The air is gone or in the gap. And you can't cover all their outfield. So I know it's a dream, 
<clears throat> excuse me, outside of the altitude, it's actually the construction, you know, the field conditions make it even more crazy. So yeah, it, it's the right park for that to happen. But even by Colorado standards, that's, that's ludicrous. And then the Angels scored no runs the first five innings of the next day. Of course. Right? Yeah. So I feel like there's only three. <laughs> yep. I, they did. I feel like there's only <laughs> one word that describes how that was possible. You know what it was? Baseball, my friend. <laughs> Baseball. <laughs> All right. That's going to do it for this week's show. We'll be bringing you podcast magic just like this all season long on the Athletic Baseball Show, which is available in its entirety, absolutely free, everywhere you get your podcasts. And if you'd like to read my Weird and Wild column or any of the great baseball coverage in The Athletic, we can tell you how. Just go to theathletic.com slash baseball show. And if you're a new subscriber, you can sign up for a one-year subscription for just $1 a month for the next 12 months. Wow, about that. Uh, also remember, you too can be part of this podcast. Every show, we pick some fun listener trivia question. Then that lucky listener gets to join us right here and prove, once again, there's almost no baseball trivia question we can't get wrong. So how could you join us? There are several ways now. First way. You can email us at Starkville at theathletic.com. That's Starkville with an E on the end. You can also check out my Facebook fan page where we have found two trivia contestants just this month. Or you can do what Jimmy Hawkins did this week and send us those questions via the remnants of Twitter. And Doug, you're a remnant of Twitter. Where could mm -hmm. people find you and your blue check mark? I'm still around, still around to be a fossil at a certain point. You could dig me up as an archaeologist, a paleontologist or something. But you would find me then at this blue check mark, amazingly still there, at Doug Glanville. Amazing. Just my name, D-O-U-G-G-L-A-N-V-I-L-L-E. -L -L -E. That's it. Okay, that's it. You don't have to spell my whole name. I am at J-A-Y-S-O-N-S-T, Jason with a Y-S-T. Just hashtag those questions, hashtag Starkville QS. Doug, thanks for playing. Thanks to Mark Gubiza and Jeff Fletcher for visiting us. Yes. Thanks to Jimmy Hawkins for the great trivia question. Thanks to mm -hmm. the acting mayor of Starkville, Cameron Molina, for producing us and putting up with us. And thanks to you all for listening. Doug and I will see you next week on Starkville. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel.
Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 